Well, good morning. As I said to you, uh, again, just a word of welcome, especially if anybody is joining us today for the first time or if uh, you are a camp owner who has come back to paradise, I want to say welcome back, uh, especially for those of us who are new to the teaching series. Um, as I mentioned before Mass, we are in week two of a teaching series, and every once in a while when I, I feel like there's a topic that would greatly benefit you and help you in your experience of God, then what we'll do is we'll unpack it over several weeks. And, and we are in a series now, a five-week series. This is week two today. And the series is on the Mass. Why do we do what we do at Mass? And let me share with you just for a second why I thought this particular topic at this particular time was applicable or relevant to a lot of us. As I mentioned last week, um, many of us have been affected by COVID in our experience of Mass. Either all of us weren't able to go to Mass this time last year. It was uh, this Lent last year where we had to make decisions about uh, whether we were even going to have Mass. Third week of Lent, which is next week, last year, it was just canceled altogether. Many of us have had to make decisions, are, are we going to go to Mass? Many people have already found a new rhythm on Sunday. And, and they're not going to Mass now. They're watching it on TV or maybe listening to something online. And other people are asking, are people going to come back to Mass? I'm not quite sure about you, but uh, many people experience uh, even a split inside their family. Um, I even have siblings myself who some of them go to Mass, some of them don't go to Mass. And it's hard for Catholics to talk about Mass. And... And I'm not quite sure about you, but from a lot of my life, I didn't understand why we do the same thing over and over, right? So the Mass itself, central to being Catholic, is sometimes hard for us to even talk about. And so it's my hope that if we just kind of learn a little bit about the Mass, that we would learn more about why God has set it up that way, and we would experience God in it. And I'm just excited to be in a teaching with you. So how about we open up the bulletin? We're going to start on page 5 today. And as we go to page 5 in the bulletin, and as you see the notes, let me just preface some comments today by saying that it's, it's not my intent to ever go through all of the notes exhaustively. It's my hope that you would take the bulletin home with you and you can always refer back to it if you have questions or it'll explain things in a more detailed way. And for our purposes here, we're going to use it as a guide. It'll help us, but we won't be chained to it. And I'll let you know where I am within the resource itself. But let's take a look at where were we last week. Last week, we asked the question, who determines how we worship God, us or God? And of course, the answer to that question is God himself, right? And we looked at, if you go with me to number two, we started with the book of Exodus, right? Because the first time that God ever spoke to all people, not just persons, he had spoken to persons, Adam and Eve, right? Cain and Abel, Noah, Abraham, Isaac. First time God ever spoke to people, all people, was in the book of Exodus after they moved through the Red Sea. And the first thing God talked about is how to live. Second thing that God talked about was how to worship him. But notice that as we look at how much time God took, it took twice as much time for God to teach people how to worship than it did for God to teach people how to live. So, if you look at number 5, specifically 5.2, what did we learn from week 1? 
We don't determine how we worship God. God does. Let's say that together. 5.2. We don't determine how we worship God. God does. All right. So then the question that naturally arises in our heart is, okay, then how does God want us to worship him? And the answer to that question is the word sacrifice. Now, for many of us, that word might conjure up images, or we might define that word in a very specific way. What we want to do today is reach deep into the Bible, inside the heart of God, and ask God to show us how does He define that word so that we can understand how He's inviting us to worship Him. So, on the bottom of page 5, let's take a look at number 6. What moves us to worship God? Because this will help us as we climb into the conversation today, right? Number six, we, we worship God to show him that we love him, to express gratitude, to ask for forgiveness, or for a deepening in our relationship. Specifically, just remember those four things as we give a couple examples about sacrifice itself. We're moving to page six now, right? There are going to be three things that we want to uh, look at today to understand sacrifice. You might say three keys to understanding how sacrifice is connected to worship. And the first key is, well, what is sacrifice? Look at number seven. The word sacrifice simply means to make holy, to make sacred. Uh, we define that in 7.2, right? To make sacred sacred or to make holy. Now, many of us define holiness in different ways, so it would be good for us to define through the Bible what does it mean to be holy or to make holy. Look at number eight. The biblical definition of the word holy means to consecrate. And the biblical definition of the word consecrate is to set apart for God. So sacrifice means an offering to God to make holy, and that means it's an offering to God to consecrate. It's an offering to God to, to separate just for God. Let me give you an example of what it means to consecrate. I have bread in the rectory. So you go through this door, down the hall, into the kitchen, into the pantry. There's a loaf of bread. If you go into this room right here, which is the sacristy, which is where I keep the, the extra wine and we store the vessels and the vestments, there's extra bread that we use for Mass. But some bread has already been consecrated. It is set apart from all the other bread on the property. This bread is consecrated, it's set apart, and it's only for God. Right? That's what it means to be holy. That's what it means to consecrate. It means to separate from everything else so it's reserved for God. So when we offer sacrifice, we're offering something to God so that we might be set apart and that we might be for God and for God alone. That's why God chose sacrifice as the means that he wants us to worship him. Now, look at number nine. Now, I'm going to ask for your um, indulgence here. A little typo, but that's okay. 9.1, you're going to need four things for sacrifice. You need something to sacrifice. That's what you're offering. That's the thing. We often call that a victim. It's a sacred thing. It could be an animal. It could be food or it could be drink. That's what you could offer God. 
9.2, you need a priest. That's a sacred person to offer the sacrifice. Number three, you need an altar. You need to put the sacrifice on an altar. Why? Because the fourth thing you need for sacrifice is it has to be consumed. It's sacred, right? You can't just leave it around. Now, you could consume a sacrifice by eating it, or you could burn it, which is why altars have always been made out of permanent material, right? Stone. Why? Because you would put the sacrifice on the altar, and then you would put wood on the altar, and you would burn everything. And as that smoke went up to heaven, the sacrifice was being delivered to God. That's why, and so that's why I've left the altar stripped the first two weeks of Lent, because even in our altar, there's marble, right? A precious permanent material that we offer the sacrifice on. We'll talk more about that in the coming weeks, right? Now, the two types of sacrifice. Number 10, you could have a clean sacrifice, which means you could give God the first part of your grain, you could give God wine, or you could give God an animal. Now, let me stop for a second. Raise your hand if you work for PETA here. Good, because it's always awkward if you work for PETA. Okay. Here's the thing. I love dogs and cats and fish. Well, I like fish a lot, so let's not use fish, right? But I'm not, I don't kill animals, right? We don't have animal sacrifice anymore. Don't get distracted if you love animals. And don't write the letter a bit to the bishop, please, all right? We're talking about 4,000 years ago, all right? And so let's wrap our minds around why God would want sacrifice. And with your permission, uh, this is really important. So I'm going to walk through number 12 with you together, okay? Because this is the heart of it right here. This is actually the heart of what's going to help us in the next three weeks and understand everything at Mass. Number 12. Why does God choose sacrifice? 12.1. It's not because God needs it. It's because we need it. Number Two, we need physical, incarnational ways to offer ourselves. I, I, I can't fly up to heaven to worship God. I need something to help me offer myself. For example, 12.3, when you love someone, you offer them something. So, right, so you need a physical expression of that. So when a man uh, proposes to a woman and he says, I want to marry you, he gives her a physical ring. That same man, later on, when they're married, when he wants to apologize to his wife, he gives her flowers, right? Physical things. And those things are expensive, especially the flowers. Lord have mercy. I don't know when the last time you sent a bouquet of flowers to somebody, right? But, but in the Old Testament, in the, the, the philosophy of sacrifice, the, the meaning of sacrifice, the thing that you offered, you wanted to feel it. Like, you didn't have a lot of things back then. So when you took something precious and offered it to God in sacrifice, you're like, wow, you're going to feel this. 12.6. 4,000 years ago, what's the most valuable thing you had? You didn't have money. Didn't have paper. Didn't have dollar bills. Didn't have coins. Didn't have gold. What did you have? You had animals or you had something to eat or something to drink. That was precious. So you took what was precious to you and you offered that to God and that thing represented you. Look at 12.9. When we offer something in sacrifice, it is a symbolic gesture 
of us offering ourselves to God. The thing we sacrifice is given to God in our place. The offering costs us something. We feel the offering. So you'll notice the word offering, offering, offering. That's what sacrifice is. It's an offering to God. Now, we may use that word today in different ways, right? The word sacrifice to us means maybe you give something up. But if we're going to reclaim biblical and theological language, we define the word sacrifice today as an offering. Now, let's not in great detail, but just appreciate how sacrifice was in the Old Testament all over the place from the very beginning. Page 7. Right? So we're not going to go through all of the details. I just want to give you some things to hang your hat on. You can take this home and read it later. All right? So the sons of Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, they offered sacrifice. Noah, when it stopped raining for 40 days, what did Noah do? He built an off altar and he offered sacrifice. Abraham, in today's first reading, is specifically asked by God to worship him. He is on his way to offer sacrifice. And specifically what I want us to appreciate today is that little bitty Isaac, probably a teenager, he knows that when you go worship God, you offer sacrifice. Isaac knew it. It was a part of life. Like, let me give you an example. When I was a kid, every Sunday at 6 o'clock in the morning, uh, my dad would come and he would turn on the lights and he would wake all the kids up. Not my mom, usually my dad. And every Sunday, we weren't surprised when the lights came on. We knew we always do that. We're going to church every Sunday. We go to 8 o'clock Mass. Every Sunday, we sit in the third pew. And every Sunday after Mass, we go to Jay's Donuts. <laughs> now, here's the cool thing about Jay's Donuts. There was this wedding cake at Jay's Donuts. And on top of the wedding cake, there was two plastic figurine a man and a woman, a couple on top of the wedding cake. And every Sunday, my dad would take me, just me, and we'd walk to the wedding cake, and he'd tell me stories about the man and the woman on the wedding cake. Now, I had no idea what was really happening, because this is what would happen. My dad would grab me, and I, we'd always go hear stories about the man and the woman. He'd grab me, he'd say, hey, you see the man? And we'd look at the man. He said, he's a good man. He works hard for his kids. Got kind of awkward as I got older because I realized my dad was actually talking about him, right? <laughs> He'd say, now look at the woman. You see the woman? Man works hard all day long. And he's never appreciated by the woman, right? He comes home from work and all he hears is complaining and things like that. And I was never surprised that we were going to hear stories about the man and woman on top of the wedding cake because that's what happened every Sunday. You see, every Sunday we did the same thing. So when Isaac is going up the mountain, he knows, oh, we're going to worship God, we're going to offer sacrifice. Now, when Moses comes down the mountain, he's got the Ten Commandments, what's the first thing that Moses does? He offers sacrifice. Now, Let's learn a little bit more about the sacrifice that Moses offered and the way it unfolds. Go with me to page 8. Page 8. Let's start to make some connections so we can make some, have some appreciation here. 
three things that Moses does as he comes down the mountain and he offers sacrifice. The first thing he does is Moses says, I want everybody to listen to what God told me. The first thing that they did, you can see this in the book of Exodus, is they read from the book of the covenant. Why do we, at every Mass, especially this morning, start off by Mass by reading from the Book of the Covenant? Because that's what we've been doing for 4,000 years. What's the next thing that happened as Moses offered sacrifice? After Moses read from the Book of the Covenant, all the people, they stood up and they said, we'll do everything that God has told us. We believe in that. What's the next thing that's going to happen at Mass? We're all going to stand up together, and we're all going to take sacred words of what we believe, and we're all going to say the same thing. Why? Because that's what we've been doing in worship for 4,000 years. Now, next part's awesome, right? What's the third thing that Moses did, right? Moses stood behind the altar that he built. 18.3. He took the blood and splashed it on the people. Stop right there. Why? Because you want to feel the worship. You know, back then, you couldn't stand on the sidelines and worship. If you're going to worship God in sacrifice, you're going to feel it. Like, it's going to get bloody. It's going to hit your body. Why? Because we're bodily people. So Moses stands behind the altar and he splashes the blood on the people. The only thing that would be even more personal is if that blood actually came into your body. So what's the third thing that happens at Mass? Let's compare the way that Moses offered the covenant and the way that we do it. Moses said, this is the blood of the covenant. That language ought to sound very familiar to you which the Lord has made with you according to these words. At every Mass, the new Moses, right? Moses is a priest. The new Moses, the priest, stands behind an altar, right? And today I'm going to say, take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and many for the forgiveness of sins. All right, so here's the thing. We've been... We've been doing this for 4,000 years. Why do we as Catholics do the same thing at Mass all the time? Because that's how God has opened up, you might say, the, the map for us. Now in the Old Testament, they would take an animal and they would sprinkle its blood on the people. We don't do that anymore because there was a time where somebody says, I will offer myself so that we can all be holy. The ultimate sacrifice. In today's first reading, there was a, a firstborn son. And he was an only son. And his father, Abraham, put the wood of the sacrifice on the back of Isaac. And Isaac walked up the mountain with the wood of the sacrifice on his back, not knowing that he was going to be the one to give himself, pointing to a day 
where there is an only son who's got the wood of the sacrifice on his back walking up a mountain not to free us from as in the Old Testament they used to offer sacrifice to be freed from the, the slavery of Egypt but that we might offer a sacrifice so that we might be free from sin And until somebody can give me a better sacrifice from that, until somebody can say that some music that can be played in church or some sermon that can be spoken in church, until somebody can say that that is better than this sacrifice, we Catholics can do the same thing over and over. Every Sunday when we worship, we are going to reach back and simply represent to you this sacrifice. And at this Mass, we are three minutes away from sacrifice. I'm going to stand behind the altar today, and I'm going to say sacred words that are different for you now. You're going to hear these words different today. I'm going to say, Blessed you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the bread we what? We offer you. You now know what that means. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation, for through your goodness we have received the wine we offer you. You now know what that means. And then, I'm going to look you in the eye, and I'm going to say, pray with me, my brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours might be acceptable to God. What's your sacrifice? An altar is a sacred place where we offer things. Some of our marriages in church today need healing. Can you put your marriage on an altar so that we can offer it to God? Can that be your sacrifice today? Can you pray for healing in your marriage? There are people in your family who are sick. I just got off the phone with someone I love dearly who may have cancer. I am going to offer them on a sacred altar. I'm going to offer them to God in sacrifice. There are people in your life who you know need healing. Can, you, can that be your sacrifice today? Your finances, your past, you need forgiveness, your anxiety about the future, that's what you are offering today. So what's your sacrifice that you're offering to Him today? I invite you to close your eyes just for a second. Just close your eyes. Look deep inside your heart. Just close your eyes. Who's on your heart today? What needs to be offered to God today? A sacrifice is an offering to God so it can be holy. Let's offer ourselves today back to the Lord. Let's offer ourselves in worship. Let's offer ourselves to Him in sacrifice.